Happy Easter, everybody. Isn't it really wonderful to be together and celebrate together this morning? Uh, I'm going to keep this relatively short, for me at least, because nothing ruins a celebration like that one person who drones on for too long. I want to talk about promises today and start by asking who in this room has made a promise to somebody else. Just raise your hand if you've made a promise. Okay. This is, this is where it gets risky. Raise your hand again if you've broken a promise to somebody else. Yeah, I think, I know that I have, sometimes deliberately and sometimes accidentally, when I was younger, one of my jobs around the house that I had to do in, in order to get my pocket money uh, was cleaning the bathroom. Uh, who here likes cleaning the bathroom? Die does. There's always one. <laughs> but <laughs> like most teenage boys, I hated cleaning the bathroom. And so I would often leave it until the very last minute. And it would reach a point where my mum would say to me, Josh, will you please promise me that you will clean the bathroom by the end of the day? And I would say, yes, I promise you I'll clean the bathroom by the end of the day. The issue is, when my mum said by the end of the day, she was very much thinking nine to five. And when I said by the end of the day, I was going for the full 24-hour clock. And so more than once, my mum was getting very stressed as at 10.30 at night, I was finally pulling on the rubber gloves, getting the bleach out and cleaning the bathroom. <laughs> Her understanding of what I'd promised was slightly different to my understanding of what I'd promised. And so to her, it felt as though I was breaking my promise every time. But equally, sometimes as people, we make promises that we just don't have the power to keep. Having told a story about me breaking my promises to my mum, I'm now going to tell a story about my mum breaking a promise to me, so we're even. <laughs> now, as a family, when we went on holiday, we used to play a fun game, um, which was basically who can dunk the other family members underwater the most. It was a very simple game. It was a pretty violent game, uh, and normally my dad won. <laughs> and always my mum lost. She's the nicest, she's the weakest, and she spent the most time underwater. And so on one holiday, we came across this lake, and it was, it was picturesque. It was like everything you imagine a kind of fairy tale lake would be. The water was clear and blue, and there were loads of people bathing in it because it was a really hot day. And my mum, I think wanting to actually enjoy herself and not keep looking over her shoulder, she said, can we please just today relax in the water? Instead of dunking each other, let's all float on our backs and just enjoy the sun and enjoy the peace. Now, I knew a trap when I saw one. Because there is no way on earth that if I was lying on my back floating, one of my family wasn't going to just push me underneath. And so my mum said, no, I really don't want, 
us to dunk each other today. So I promise you, Josh, that if you set the example and you go first floating on your back, I will hold you up. And I will put my hands under your back so that no one can dunk you. Even if your dad or your sister come along and they push down on you, I will hold you up. And my mum was so confident that I would not be dunked that she made an additional promise. She said that if I got dunked, she would buy me a brand new Nintendo DS games console. (laughs) These were brand new and we definitely could not afford it. That's how confident mum was. Does anyone see where this story is going? I lay on my back, and genuinely, within about 10 seconds, the world was plummeting around me, the waves were going over my head, and it was like a very violent baptism. (laughs) To this day, my mum claims that she slipped. I think that when she finally had me in that vulnerable position, she just couldn't resist the temptation. (laughs) And I'm not just telling this story uh, to remind my mum on video camera that she still owes me a Nintendo DS. Telling it because Easter for me is all about promises. Because God makes so many promises throughout the Bible. But unlike me, when it comes to cleaning the bathroom, he's never reluctant to keep his word. And unlike my mum, when we were in the lake, God is never unable to keep a promise that he's made. And as I reflect on Easter, it seems to be this beautiful moment where all of God's promises come together. God's promises in the past are fulfilled. He establishes new promises for our present. And the resurrection of Jesus guarantees the promises God made for our future. Uh, When I worked in the archives, the oldest uh, item in our collection originated from around the year 1091. It was a document from the English king at the time proclaiming that in his power, he was gifting a piece of land to a certain man whose name I don't remember. And he was promising that this land from now on was this man's. And when this man died, it would be his son's. And when his son died, it would be his sons. And to guarantee that this really was the authentic word of the king, and therefore it would stand for all time because the king didn't see himself going out of business, to prove that it really was him, he affixed his royal seal to the document. It looked a bit like this. Do we have the picture? Awesome. It'll come up in a minute. Um, It's about this big. It's double-sided, and on one side it's got a picture of the king ruling on his throne, and on the other side it's got a picture of the king on his war horse protecting his subjects. That's what those images mean. One is justice, and the other is protection. And by affixing his seal to this document, the king was saying, anyone who looks at it knows that this is what I say. And what I say is true, and what I say goes. Because I am the king who gives justice, and I am also the king who will defend the people who serve me. And when we look at the resurrection, 
I think it's this moment where God's promises were affixed with this seal so that all of us could see that everything Jesus said and did and commanded was the real and authentic word of not just a man, but of a king. Throughout history, God had made promises to the Israelites, to the Jewish people. He promised them time and time again that they would be his chosen people and that he would love them. And that no matter what, he did, what they did, he would never stop loving them. And the Jewish people, the Israelites, they made lots of promises back to God. But a bit like me, when it came to cleaning the bathroom, they tended not to keep them when it wasn't convenient. And yet, despite their broken promises, God continued to say, I will love you, and I will restore my relationship with you. One of the most important promises uh, of this nature we find in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 7. And God makes a promise to David, who was the greatest king in Israel's history. And he says to him that out of David's family would come another king. But this king would not just be from David's family line, but would also be the son of God. And this king would never die like David would die. And this king would never die like David's sons would die. But this king's throne and power would last forever. It's a pretty massive promise. And it's a promise that echoed down through generations You know, Israel went through some really tough times. They were conquered by the Babylonians and carried off into slavery and foreign lands. But still, they whispered this promise to each other. There will be a day where the eternal king comes. And then the Babylonians fell. And eventually, the Jewish people were conquered again by the Romans. This seemingly insurmountable, undefeatable empire that once again was imposing foreign rule on the Jewish people. But again, they whispered this promise to each other. They passed it down from father to son through generations, saying, there will be a day where no matter who rules us now, the eternal king will come. But then when God did send this king, they didn't recognize him. Because the king they thought they were promised was not the king that God actually delivered. And so, as we've looked at earlier this week on Good Friday, uh, many people rejected Jesus. And instead of raising him up on a throne, they raised him up on a cross. And they killed him. God had sent the king that they needed and they would treated him like a criminal. The amazing thing about God is that he's way above our human mistakes. Thank goodness for that. The amazing thing about God is that even the cross was actually just another way for him to keep his promise. When Jesus died as an innocent man, he did so to take the punishment that we deserved and to end the constant cycle of sin and death that we had been going through for generations. Since the beginning of time, we had been breaking our promises to God, and God knew that only him keeping the biggest promise of all 
was going to be enough to make that right. But for God's promises to be truly fulfilled, things couldn't end there. Because Jesus couldn't be this eternal king that reigned forever if he'd stayed dead. Jesus couldn't be the king that was promised to David if he had stayed dead. But because he was raised to life, God has demonstrated that the promise is fulfilled once and for all. Death is defeated through Jesus for all of us. Forever. That promise is signed, sealed, and delivered. It's done. It's finished. And we know that the king has done what he said he would do. And so from now on, myself and my sons and daughters and their sons and daughters can live in the fullness of knowing that the king does what the king says he will do. But more than that, because this one promise came true, we can know that every other promise Jesus made during his time on earth will also come true. And here are just a few of the promises Jesus made. In Matthew 11:28 to 30, he says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. John 10, verse 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Finally, John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says this, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And I think this is the most incredible promise Jesus ever made. It's found in John chapter 11, verses 25 to 26. He says this, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives believing in me will never die. See, because Jesus was raised, we know that that's true. If Jesus had stayed dead, then it would have been hard to think that the news he brought could have been good and true. But because Jesus was raised to life, we can all know that he really was the king. And he has the power to bring justice and the power to bring protection and life. But Jesus made another promise as well. See, he said that once he had risen from the dead and he returned to his father and reigned in heaven, one day he would come again. And on that day, no one will make any mistake about who is the king. Because while before he came humbly into a stable, this time he will come in the fullness of his power and his glory. And all of us, no matter whether we know him ourselves or not, will find ourselves bowing because the king has come and he has come to do what he said he would do. He will reign over the world and judge it. And he will gather his people to him. 
We don't know when that day will be. It could be later this afternoon. It could be tomorrow. It could be when everyone here has, has passed on. But we do know it's coming, and we know it's coming because what Jesus said he would do before, he did. And so we know that what he says he will do in the future is guaranteed. If there was no resurrection, none of the things Jesus said were good news. They were fake news. But he was raised from the dead. And so it's not just good news, it's great news. It's life-changing news. You know, I, I just, if you uh, don't know Jesus today, if to you he's a man who's still dead in that grave, if he's just a figure from history like the king who passes away and whose seal gets left in a drawer for a muppet like me to muck about with, I just invite you to uh, come and speak to us afterwards. We'll have some people over here uh, or myself. I'd love to talk to you about the living King Jesus and what his life can mean for you and your life. But there is, a, there is a final challenge for us all. Because a king doesn't put his seal on something for no reason. A king puts his seal on something so that when a messenger carries his message, the people that they show it to recognize the power of what the king has said. And as Peter said earlier, we are given the power of the Holy Spirit. We are given the power to show that we don't just come as messengers for ourselves, but we come as messengers for the living, all-powerful King. Jesus said to his disciples in Mark 16, verses 15 to 18, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. We who have seen and heard the message of Jesus carry those signs with us, not through our own power, but through the power and the name of Jesus living in us through the Holy Spirit. So are we people who've seen, heard the message and are keen to show it to others and to say, no, this is the message of the King and he wants to speak to you because he has made promises to you that he will keep. And you have the opportunity to come to know him for yourself.